Good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone who's watching online as well. I have some big announcements this week. Uh, this Thursday, December 22nd, we're having Christmas in Gadsden. There's going to be cookies and carols here at 5.30. You don't want to miss it. Who doesn't love hot chocolate and cookies, right? And you like Christmas carols, don't you? Love them. Love them. All right, so that's this Thursday at 5.30. Um, we also have the... Um, for the mission focus right now is the United Methodist Children's Homes. So you can give to that if you would like to. And that goes to help kids in foster care, uh, kids finding home place, but that type of thing. So the United Methodist Children's Home is something we help out with uh, every Christmas season. Um, we have our Christmas Eve services um, are going to be at four o'clock for a candlelight service. And Pastor Sam, that's not it. Six o'clock as well. So you can pick four o'clock uh, candlelight service or six o'clock candlelight service. And in between, there's going to be a live nativity. It's going to be fantastic. So uh, you want to stop by the live nativity on Christmas Eve as well. December 25th. That's a special day, isn't it? So Christmas morning, we will be here in the sanctuary. It's a combined service at 10 a.m. Um, and me and Pastor Sam were just talking about this. Come as casual as you want. We would love to see you on Christmas. So um, if you've had a busy morning and you want to come in sweatpants or pajamas, just come. It's Christmas. Nobody's going to judge you for coming casual on Christmas Day. All right. And then also the following week, um, New Year's Day, um, that service is going to be here at 10 a.m. as a combined service as well. Um, and you know what? If you want to dress casual that day, do that as well. I dress casual all the time, so that's not even a rule for me. I just come as is. Um, the youth are having a New Year's Eve party on the 31st, which is going to be great. So um, y'all are welcome to stop in if you want to stop by at that. It's going to be great. And if you have semi-legal fireworks, you can donate those to the youth department as well. Um, and now I'm going to invite our Advent readers to come forward. said to them, and the angel said to them, be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Dear Jesus, may the light of your love always shine in our hearts. As Christmas draws near, we marvel at your great love for us. Let your love transform every aspect of our lives and touch everyone we encounter. Our hearts are open to you. Amen.
Amen and welcome again. Would you please stand and sing with us?
Y'all may be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you here today in this nice warm building. (laughs) It's good to um, have you worshiping with us by live stream. Hello to you. And um, I want to, before the kids go to Children's Church, and you'll see why in just a second, I want the kids also to get to see this little video that we have from from Wednesday night and our uh, ugly Christmas sweater party extravaganza that we uh, that we had Wednesday night and this is just a reminder before we have our time of uh, for children go to children's church before we have our time of tithes and offerings of um, the great things that we do here at Gaston First United Methodist Church with children
I'm a little disappointed they didn't have a picture of my special uh, Christmas llama Christmas sweater. I don't know. I thought it was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the kids can go over here with, to my right and your left with Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. They're going to Children's Church. And um, the rest of us are going to pray. How about that? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for our children. We thank you for uh, their reminder to us about the joy of Christmas. And they're also a reminder to us about how blessed it is to, to, to give and the, the joy that we get when we get to be a part of these wonderful ministries. So take now the tithes and offerings that we give and take our hands and our hearts as we offer them to you. And Lord, bless these children as they go and learn more about you and Children's Church. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to, um, I know this is busy time of the year for everybody, and, and we have so many things going on. You could, be as, you could be as active as you wanted to be or as busy as you wanted to be. I do want to just say a word about something new that we're doing this year. We've, we always do the Christmas play uh, with the children. We always, you know, do the, the choir's Christmas musical, uh, which we had last week, and we have so many things going on. This year we're doing something just new, and we hope that it's simple enough that it will be uh, something special for you. This coming Thursday night, the Thursday um, before the Friday before Christmas Eve, anyway, the 22nd, is that right? Anyway, this coming Thursday, we're doing Cookies and Carols. And we wanted to do something that would be uh, something that you could invite your friends to if, if uh, maybe, you know, maybe they don't have a church. Maybe, maybe they kind of gave up on church a long time ago, but there's something in them that longs to just sing some Christmas carols and in a beautiful place like this and, and just hear that Christmas music. This would be a good opportunity for you to invite your friends to come along and uh, drink some hot chocolate and eat some Christmas cookies and sing Christmas carols. And I don't know about you, but uh, that's one of my favorite parts of Christmas. Uh, our Christmas Eve services are always special. And again, it's a good opportunity to invite people to come and to reconnect with uh, the real meaning of Christmas. We're focusing on Jesus in Advent. And um, we are looking at Matthew chapter 16 today. We've been focusing on the different names that are associated with Jesus. Today we're looking at Jesus, the Son of Man. Matthew 16 verses 13 through 28 will be our scripture for today. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he, said, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly, sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned to him and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your minds not your mind, not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if, anyone, if any wants to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. 
For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come, is to come with him, his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste of death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know a, a whole lot about William Shakespeare, but I know he did write these words. What's in a name? That by which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. I probably got that not exactly right. But I think he was trying to, in that great play, Romeo and Juliet, I think he was trying to get the point across that um, naming things may really not be all of that relevant. But there's part of us that knows that, that names do mean something. And sometimes it seems like the name um, is, is a prophecy for what a person is going to live into. Um, I'll give you a couple of just modern examples. And this is one of my favorite ones. Until he retired, uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Andy this. Pastor Andy, until he retired, do you know who the bishop of the Western North Carolina annual conference was? Bishop Larry good pastor yeah Larry good pastor I don't know what more perfect name for a bishop I, I, I mean I wonder if there was any doubt what he was going to do when he grew up I, I mean so I wonder you know I also wonder what his parents were thinking with the last name of good pastor I wonder what they were thinking when he was a little boy what was he going to do I googled this because I kind of got interested in it. I kind of got on a roll, and I found, look, a couple of names that, that seemed like the person had to do what they were doing because of their name, right? Uh, one that I found that was one of my favorites was uh, um, a, a woman in New York who's a Chinese-American, last name Yu, Y-O-O, first name Sue, and she's a lawyer, Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying that you can't make this stuff up. And uh, she's engaged to, by the way, she's engaged to Alexander Shannara's son. Um, so she'll be Sue Yu. I, no, I, I'm making that part up, but she really is. A, and then Sun Prairie Fire Department has uh, um, one, one of their members is uh, Lieutenant Les McBurney. Thank you. <laughs> An ophthalmologist named Dr. Ashley C. Wright. Okay, I'm just, but you get the point. And, oh, and sometimes names kind of flip the other way. When I was in high school, played football, hurt my knee, and I went to the orthopedic doctor in Florence, and his name was Dr. Hatchett, and he really did a job on my knee. I'm telling you that. Um, sometimes we uh, name other people but we think they should be named um, have you ever got into this discussion when you were watching a sports event about who was the goat the greatest of all time I mean if you go to any sporting uh, go to any any restaurant where they have all those TVs and they serve wings and everything and the teams around and you'll hear people argue about who was the greatest of all time right people argue people wonder 
people name you, does it matter what people name you? Carl Jung once said, uh, the world will ask you who you are, and if you don't know, the world will tell you who you are, right? So Jesus was wondering what people were saying about him in Matthew chapter 16. He was wondering this not because he has a self-esteem problem or because he was insecure. I think Jesus really wanted to know if his point was getting across. Are people getting it? Are they seeing what I'm intending to reveal to them. And so he asked his disciples, what are people saying? What do you hear? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Of course, John the Baptist come back from the dead because his head was chopped off. Some say you're Elijah, the reincarnation of Elijah or, or Jeremiah. And some say you're just one of the prophets. People have been talking about Jesus ever since before Jesus was born. And People are still talking about Jesus. There are still people that just say, you know, Jesus will concede that Jesus, there was a historical figure named Jesus and that he was a prophet, that he was a great moral teacher, he was an inspirational leader. But those of us who are trying to live as Jesus' followers, as disciples, as Christians, we say that doesn't go far enough. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a moral teacher. He's not an inspirational leader and then Jesus kind of drills down on this with his disciples and he asked them this question which we all have to ask in our hearts who do you say that I am who do you say that I am this is a crossroads for his disciples they've been following him for for years now they'd seen him they'd seen the miracles they'd seen him heal people and feed 5,000 and walk on water They had heard him teaching. They had seen him confront the Pharisees. And now he's taking a turn with his ministry and he's headed toward Jerusalem. He's trying to get them to understand that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die. He's going to be resurrected from the dead. It could not have been a more important question for them. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, bless his heart, he got this one right, didn't he? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah. So we say, good answer, Peter. But lost in the shuffle of all of this story, this all of this story of all the things that happened that I just read from Matthew 16, lost in the shuffle is the name that Jesus gives himself. You could read over it and and just skip right by it and not catch it. Did you hear it? In verse 13, Jesus said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus, what does everybody else say? What did the disciples say? But Jesus said this about himself, the Son of Man. And he calls himself that again in verses 27 and again in verse 28. What are the people saying? Yeah, that's important. What are the disciples saying? Yes, that's important. But Jesus said, I'm the son of man. So what are you talking about, Jesus? What does that mean? Well, week before last, um, we talked about how Jesus is Emmanuel. And that tells us something. It tells us that God is with us. 
This week we see that Jesus is the son of man, and that tells us something. It tells us that God has identified with us. You see um, people that like to focus on Jesus' divinity, um, and they kind of ignore his humanity, that Jesus is son of man, the human one, as some translations say. I like that, the human one. And you even see it in great works of art. Have you ever seen those, those pictures, um, famous pictures and, uh, of the Madonna and the child? And, and, and Jesus, even when he's a little baby, they've got like a, this big halo around his head and stuff, you know. Um, and, then, and then we get little hints of it in Christmas songs that we like to sing. How many of you like Away in a Manger? I love, I love Away in a Manger, you know. But I'm going to have to tell you this. Having had raised three kids the part that really kind of gets me is when it said um the cattle are lowing the baby awakes but little lord jesus no crying he makes i've never seen a baby (laughs) that woke up in the middle of the night that didn't cry you know you know none of my babies had halos uh pastor andy how about you no Lori? yeah yeah none of those kids over there have halos um Jesus was a real baby, y'all. He was the human one, the son of man. There have been people across the ages that have denied Jesus' humanity altogether. There was a group called the Docetists, and it was one of the earliest heresies that was put forth to the church, and the church had to deal with it. And How many of you have said the Apostles' Creed before? We don't usually say it in celebration. We say it, you know the Apostles' Creed? You could... Let your mind would go on autopilot if we started saying it. But did you know that, that part of the Apostles' Creed is dealing with the heresy of the docetists that said that Jesus wasn't really human because they believed that all physical matter was bad and that only spirit was good. And so Jesus could not have had a real body because physical matter is bad. It just looked like he did. He was kind of like an apparition. He could not have really been a baby and had to have his diaper changed. He couldn't have grown up and gone through puberty. He couldn't have been a regular person and worked with his hands. And that's why the Apostles' Creed makes a point of saying, yes, Jesus was born. Yes, he lived. Yes, he suffered and he was crucified. Yes, he died and he was buried. So Jesus goes on to say uh, that, as we read in in chapter 16 of Matthew, I'm going to be betrayed. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of those who will cause him to suffer. The Son of Man is going to be killed. The Son of Man is going to be raised the third day. The Son of Man has identified with us. See, I found it uh, very special that Jesus is someone who knows what it's like to work with his hands and to get tired and sweaty. Jesus knows what it's like to get hungry and thirsty, and Jesus knows what it's like to have friends, people that he loved. Jesus 
knows what it's like to lose a friend to an untimely death. He knew what it was like to laugh and play with children and to cry, to weep, to be proud of somebody. Jesus knew what it was like to be proud of somebody. He said, Peter, man, you did so good. You were a solid rock, and the church is going to be built on that confession that you just made, Peter. It's awesome. Jesus knew what it was like to be disappointed in somebody. Because not long after that, when, when Peter was saying, no, Jesus, you're not going to be betrayed and crucified. He looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. And speaking of Satan, Jesus knew what it was like to be tempted. He knew what it was like to be tempted in every point. He was the human one. He is the human one. If you ever have a chance to read a, a book by Brennan Manning, I recommend. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, Ragamuffin Gospel, uh, different ones. Uh, he has a, a book called The Sign of Jonah. Uh, that's, it's really a play, and in this play um, that he describes in one of his books, uh, there's hundreds of small groups that are gathered outside of the gates of heaven, and they're uh, awaiting uh, judgment. And these groups are <clears throat> kind of getting together and and grouping together based on their various interests, uh, interests and life experiences. One group is a group uh, of victims of the, the Nazi concentration camps. Uh, they, were, they were killed in, in, the, in the extermination camps. And uh, as they got to talking about it, they, they thought, uh, okay, what right does God have to judge us? <clears throat> and they were kind of getting a little bit indignant about it. And then there's another group that... Um, were prisoners of war and had been tortured. And um, they got together and they said, look, you know, what right does God have to judge us? And they were kind of getting huffy about that. There's another group that was, uh, was composed of people that, you know, they'd had a difficult life. They, they were born out of wedlock and, and, uh, and growing up, they didn't, uh, they were, you know, the butt of jokes. They'd been bullied and, and, uh, all of their lives, and, and they thought, you know, what, what right does God have to judge me? And group after group gathered at the gates of heaven. There were some that were just, just poor their whole lives, some that were hungry and, and starved to death, some mistreated, homeless. All of these gathered, and they met together, and as a group, they decided that, that God had never really experienced the agony that they had and therefore was unqualified to sit in judgment for them. And each group kind of got a representative, and they, they worked up a manifesto, right? And they gave it to God that said, and, and this is what the manifesto said, before you can sit in judgment on us, you must be born a Jew. The circumstances of your birth must be questioned. You must be misunderstood by everyone, insulted and mocked by your enemies, betrayed by your friends. You must be persecuted, beaten, and finally murdered in a most public and humiliating fashion. 
And after the group presented this to God, a bright and dazzling light shines across the multitude, and one by one they fall silent as a message is emblazoned on the heavens. And it says, I have signed Jesus. Jesus is the Son of Man. God has identified with all of us. This kind of brings us two things. It, it brings us confidence to follow Jesus because we know he's been where we've been. Not too long after Tammy and I got married, we, we went to a concert, um, not a concert, a, a dance performance by dancers from um, Gallaudet University. And it was, you know, it was a, a dance recital as we've been to many in our lifetimes. But what makes it special is Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C. is the nation's only all-deaf university. And so the dancers could not hear the music. Um, they felt, they danced by feeling the vibrations for these with these huge speakers uh, on, on the stage in the Von Braun Center in, in Huntsville. Um, and the performance was amazing. I mean, they were fabulous dancers. Never missed a move. And we were all, we just felt like we were blessed to be there, right? We're, we're in the audience, right? And I learned, I learned so much. Well, well, first I learned that, you know, you don't have to hear to be able to dance. And then also um, I learned that in, in a performance like this, uh, you know how you applaud for, for people who, who can't hear? It's like this. And because they can't hear the applause, you applaud like this. So just a little fun fact for you to carry with you. Um, so I read, I got interested in that and, and Gallaudet. And, and, and so I started reading about it. I read back that back in, in 1988, which is a few years before, the trustees of Gallaudet um, chose a new president. Great wonderful except there was a problem the person that they chose for president was not deaf and the person that they chose for president didn't even know sign language and uh, the students reacted and they reacted angrily they they protested they had sit-ins they boycotted classes and the reason was they wanted somebody to lead them who had walked where they walked and literally knew how to speak their language, you see. And the administration got the message and by the end of the week, a new president was installed, one who had walked in their shoes, you see. So... If we're going to get where we need to be as human beings, we need to follow someone who knows what it's like to walk where we have walked as human beings. 
that is the son of man, that is the human one. The other thing Jesus being the son of man brings us, it brings us great hope for the future. It, it can change what, what it means for us to think about being human. Um, now, we all, we all know the kind of the flawed side of being human, don't we? Uh, I don't know if any of y'all ever, like, okay, last Sunday was the Sunday of joy. And maybe you woke up last Sunday and you had a headache and, and yeah, I don't know, the, the dog was barking and you stepped in, stepped in a hairball that the cat had threw up on the floor. I mean, all of these things and you're thinking, oh boy, joy to the world. You know, and then you were thinking, wow, am I not just a great big bundle of joy? You know, it means you're human. You hear? It means you're human. Today we lit the candle of peace. And maybe you got up and it didn't feel like peace on earth, goodwill to all in your household. But, you know, we're human. And, and I don't know, you've probably said this before. I'm only human. I'm, all, I'm just one person. I'm prone to make mistakes, right? As the 80s song says. But what about this? Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 12, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Human beings can do some terrible things. Have you watched the news lately? But they can also do some amazingly good things. And you might think, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. I'm just a single person, just me. There was um, a story where I really like um, about a, a minister who delivered a sermon to a baccalaureate service for a group of young people. Uh, and in this story, you might have heard this, is the, the preacher's name was Dr. James Allen Francis, and it was, he was pastor of First Baptist Church in Los Angeles, and he told this story. He said, here's a man who was born in an obscure village, a child of a peasant woman, grew up in another uh, obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop till he was 30, and then for three years he was an itinerant preacher, he never wrote a book, never held an office, never had a family or owned a home. He never set foot inside a big city, never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born, did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. And while he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends deserted him. He was turned over to his enemies, and he went through mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his only piece of property, his coat. And when he died, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave. And centuries have come and gone, and today this man is the central figure 
for much of the human race. All of the armies that have ever marched and all of the navies that have ever sailed and all of the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of people on this earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. We follow the Son of Man because He has walked where we walk. We go to Him in prayer and confidence because we know that He understands. And when we say, I'm just one human being, we know that not only does that come with flaws, but it comes with great hope and power and potential because of what our Lord has done for us. So, let us arise and use our one solitary life for him. Let's pray. Lord, you are called so many different things in Scripture, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But you're also the Son of Man. And that means something for us. Because on the days that, that we struggle, we find hope that you are that sympathizing high priest who has been tempted in all manner as we have that you know what it's like and we also follow in confidence knowing that to be human is to be enough because we can do all things through you because you give us the strength in Jesus name we pray amen we stand and worship the one.
heavenly host proclaim your birth glory to God and peace be on the earth your name is near Emmanuel God with us And now may the grace of Jesus, the Son of Man, love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all, now and forever. Amen.